0: You are listening to the Magnet Podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Magnet Theater Podcast. I am Lewis Kornfeld. Today, I'm speaking with the great Jesse Asini. Jesse, thank you for being here. Lewis, thanks for having me here. It is uh, uh, our pleasure. Um, so, Jesse uh, uh, and I have known each other for a number of years. Probably, probably. Yeah,
0: close to 7 or 8 years? I was going to say maybe 8. Um I interned at the theater, I think, in '06.
1: Oh yeah. And I'm pretty sure you were like my boss. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So yeah, we're going back uh, close to like 8 or 9 years now. Yeah. And I know surprisingly little about you. <laughs> what? But I'm so boisterous. <laughs> <laughs> uh uh um how did you start? This is a question I should have asked you <laughs> when you were interning for me 8 years ago. I was probably nervous. how did you How did you get started in comedy?
0: Um i th- it was in college, actually, I guess, like so many people. Um, I, I I was sort of uh, sort of thinking of trying to get into stand up and I like started writing like like jokes. um, and then it just so happens that. Uh, a guy that I was working with. Um, I, I was working at a, a place called uh, BJ's Wholesale Club. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar. It's like a Costco. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he uh, we both went to the same school as it turns out. We both went to Queen's College and he was a I think a drama minor, and there was like a, a sketch in like improv group that had just like started up and they were planning to do like a, a show like for like one show like that semester. And we just started this random we started talking uh, about comedy he was like hey you should just show up to our rehearsal um, and they were like already like a month or so in to like rehearsing and being a group but he was just like hey you should just show up so I was like okay I'll just show up to this thing um, so I wrote like a like a bunch of sketches and I just showed up to their rehearsal and I don't think they wanted me there uh-huh. um, but we with with this other dude uh, this guy uh, John We, we performed a couple of these sketches and they're like, okay, I guess these are pretty good. Still don't know you. I'm pretty not, pretty sure I, we don't want you here because there's already like 20 people, other, like 20 people in this group. Mm. But I guess keep coming if you want to keep coming back. Um, and so like they did sketch and they did like short form games. So I got to play a little bit and we did eventually did like a run, like a weekend run of a, of a sketch show. And some short form games, and that was really like my first. That was like my entry, like like into doing like like sketch and improv like Mm. for for the first time. Um, Yeah, and it was like super fun. And but that I didn't do it at all. Like after like after that experience, it was just like okay, that was fun, but like now what? Um, And it was actually a few years went by before I even like started looking into like, like taking any type of like class at all. Um, and I eventually uh, found that the the Second City Training Center um, was teaching classes in New York. Um, and I, I feel like that program was maybe in its death throes by the time like, I found it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, but I, I did like pretty much go through their their whole like sketch and like short form curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, bef- before I sort of like worked up the nerve to start taking classes at like UCB and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so that was like maybe 2003 2004 before I started doing that. What was the curriculum like at Second City at that point? It's it was it, I felt like it was like catch is catch can. It was yeah. it didn't seem like there was a set curriculum. It was like whatever the teacher felt was important to teach you in what was supposed to be a level 1, this is what they that that's what you were learning. Mm-hmm. So I remember in the first sketch class I ever took, we spent like weeks um making up these lists Lists of ten, I think, is what they were called. And now I realize we were sort of being taught game because mm-hmm. we were be we given like a premise and we were like, okay, name like ten weird sports teams. Um, as if, okay, well, the, the game is like we're, we're naming we're naming weird sports teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just okay, just brainstorm ten weird weird teams and we were, were doing that for like weeks before we got to like writing any actual like sketches for weeks yeah huh. weeks of just like drills like that um and there there are others that I, I can't recall but it was a lot of like oh just come up with with 10 weird uh like food combinations 10 like weird like like I said uh, sports teams or um um weird 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 names weird names for like uh, weird names for a president to have or something mm-hmm. like that it was just like here's like your category and then you know it would be the equivalent of being like okay well having having an idea of what might be like a fun uh, idea for a sketch and then kind of writing out beats Mm -hmm. i I equated to that now but back then i was just like oh why are we just are we just learning how to write like top 10 lists for like letterman or something yeah um so that was like my my entry to that and the, the rest of the program kind of felt like that where i wasn't quite sure like what why we were learning what, what we were learning. That's sort of my understanding
1: of it. Uh, is, it sort of seemed like Second City came out to New York. This is in the early 2000s, I think, yeah. uh, um, without really a very solid game plan about what their strategy was going to be. And, mm-hmm. and so it's interesting because... I. Uh, I I've spoken to a handful of people who were in those classes at that period and I get completely different stories from them about what they learned and what they took from it. I just point out to people listening to that what you're hearing is a pass the clap and Rick Andrews' <laughs> winter intensive level one class. So you can tell a lot about a class by the way they, they play pass the clap. This is not a good class. <laughs> I don't know. No, they, seem okay. they seem like nice kids. So, uh, um, uh um did you find that helpful because uh, my understanding of that that sounds like an exercise did you read um the comic toolbox no it's pretty good uh, uh, and i'm blanking right now on who wrote it but it, it also has like that top 10 list mentality to it it is it, actually that exercises in that book of okay. like 10 crazy names for sports teams okay. uh, um and the idea as it's presented in that book is that you just have to generate a ton of crap That for every nine pieces of crap you come up with, there's that one that has the potential to be explored. And so it's just filling notebooks with crap so that you can go through it and find a little tiny piece that you can, can blow out into a, a, a more fully fleshed out sketch premise. Was that helpful for
0: your way of thinking? Uh, I, I get that now and I'm like really like happy like I had experience doing that because I would have never like done that on my own. And I wouldn't have had that experience. I would assume if I would have like started taking, a, say, a, a sketch class at, at UCB right away, it would have been probably more just like kind of jump in the pool and like learn to swim. I feel like, like it might have been mm-hmm. like, um, yeah. So so now it's like, oh, cool. I'm, I'm glad I did that. I see how that was helpful. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I was probably like, oh, I think I I wanted to write. You know, I wanted to write the next Matt Foley sketch. Right. Why why am I writing like weird 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 types of food? Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah, um, yeah. So I appreciate that now.
1: Yeah,
0: and I, I did. Like, I had a, like a, a handful of teachers who were really great, and uh, at, with with Second City who were like super, like, like supportive. And like, I think I did learn a lot from. So I don't want to seem like I'm like throwing No, yeah, that of course. At, yeah, yeah. You studied bus. with Gary Austin there, right? I studied with Gary Austin uh, independently okay. of them, but I, it was folks that I met through the, the Second City Training Center mm-hmm. who had um, sort of hooked up with him and started taking courses with him. Um he would have these weekend long intensives where you'd spend like six hours on a Saturday, six hours on a Sunday um in this studio on like the upper west side and just just drilling drilling scenes and doing what he called the uh, the Herald and what he, what he explained was like the original version of it that mm. they were doing like, like years and years ago I think with the committee. Mm. Um which felt like very It felt literally as if you were taking short form games and just kind of playing different games like side by side. Mm -hmm. Like literally, the stage would be broken up in like three performance areas, Mm -hmm. and you would have a a short scene happening in one section. And then that scene was edited by two other people walking into like the next performance section Mm -hmm. and starting something there. Mm -hmm. And it it felt like sort of just like moving boxes around, sort of. Um, Didn't never felt like very fluid. Doing it? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so that was like, that was like that version of, of Harold that, that we were being taught. Uh, and we actually ended up doing a, doing a show with him. Uh, I went, was it just one show? I got out of those classes, he took like, uh, like, I think most of us, and he's like, okay, we're gonna do a show, you guys are like the, for this evening, you guys are the Gary Austin Harold um, ensemble, and we did a show. Mm and yeah it was again suits like super fun like really intense and i think i was a little in over my head at that point yeah um super intimidated by by him and like like his presence but yeah it was a again looking back like a, a great a great experience yeah. i'm really glad i did it at um, this
1: at this point were were you more attracted to the writing side of things or the acting side or were you just thinking of it as a way to be creating
0: comedy um, i was I guess thinking about it as a way of creating comedy, uh, I, I was it was suggested to me in my writing classes that I take improv as well. Mm. Um, not so much that like like oh I can tell by the way you're writing sketches you should be performing sketches. Yeah. It was more along the lines of like I think this will help sort of like like open open you up a little bit and and sort of um, it, it's great it's great experience because you're you're sort of you're, you're following like, you're laying down the same, of so similar tracks, mm-hmm. you know, when you're doing improv and studying improv and studying sketch. And so that you are like writing on your feet and editing on your feet and, uh, and also learning what it means like to, to act and be in the scene and what it sounds like and feels like when two people are, are listening and being affected by one another. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like super helpful and mm-hmm. they, that's, I think that's why, uh, yeah, that's why they go hand in hand like that. Yeah, and why why it was suggested to me. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, st- I was still thinking of myself more of uh, as a writer. I think I still do. Yeah.
1: So so you're in Second City. Yeah. And then you make the jump over to UCB when mm-hmm. you finish up with the Second City classes. Uh, I was still I was doing it concurrently for at a the while. same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, did UCB
0: have sketch training at that point, or was it still mostly improv? It was. They didn't have like a program like they have now. Yeah. Um, I think they might have just had like. Level one and maybe level two. Um, but at the time, yeah, at the, at the time I figured, oh, I'll go with Second City because it sounds like more of a name. And I was never a huge fan of like the TV show mm-hmm. <laughs> when it was first on. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, I guess, I guess I'd, I'd not, not, I'm not sure if I want to learn that because my, my thinking was, oh, they're just, that's what what I'll be learning is what I saw on, on the TV show. Yeah. Um, so I was totally wrong. And sort of er regret that now, but um, yeah. So it was definitely—I think—the sketch program was in its infancy, and I guess the improv program a bit too, because it it would have only been maybe five or six years old. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so it was uh, was actually a while before I I ever took a sketch class at at UCB. Yeah, yeah. You studied there. um, Was Besser and Ian Roberts were they still teaching there at that point? I feel like they were maybe workshops. They were definitely in town for, for, for the ass cats. Yeah. It's like the first like batch of ass cats that I saw. Like yeah. it was, it was, it was Besser, Walsh, and Roberts. Then for a while, um, it was, uh, Amy and, and Roberts and, yeah. and Walsh, and, and Besser was away probably doing, so would that have been crossballs or something like that? But he was at Yeah,
1: crossballs, sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, how did we get here? <laughs> uh, yeah so um yeah so I would started uh taking uh, improv there first mm-hmm. actually my my very first u c b teacher my very first long form teacher was John o'Donnell mm-hmm. um might have been one of the last like two classes he like he taught at u c b and that was fall of four i think um yeah that that was when I took uh one one there yeah well, um were you hooked at that point? I was pretty hooked, yeah. yeah. Because at that point, I was still taking my, my short form classes with uh, Second City, and I think maybe doing their sketch classes as well. And I was, and I was taking my, my classes at UCB, and I probably got started in a practice group around that time. So I was definitely hooked. But um, yeah, I, I feel like I, I'm. I always sort of like I'm always sort of like dipping. Toe in and seeing how, uh-huh. how long I, I can go before pulling it out, before getting you know scared off by, by how cold the ocean is. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, by that point I probably had like a, a, a foot in, um, but, but wasn't quite quite ready to like fully like dive in. Yeah, you know, I I was studying at UCB around the
1: same time, and it was an interesting period of time to be there because, um, uh, like they they hadn't yet like blossomed into the comedy industry yet they weren't like mm-hmm. the main name in comedy at that point they were just on the cusp of that happening and i remember having very similar feelings like i remember in my first um, class i was a fan of of their show um, um and didn't really equate how would they would be teaching improv with what i saw on the show i mm-hmm. remember when they handed out the student id's the old student cards had dell's picture on the front of it and i only knew dell as the alderman from the untouchables and in my mind i interpreted that as like oh how whimsical they took the face of some random dude from that movie that a handful of people would know and like put it on the cards like i had no (laughs) there was no concept of exactly what they were offering other than like oh improv and it sounds like fun um but at that point i thought improv was just like object work Okay. I thought you would spend eight weeks learning how to, like, pantomime and stuff like that and maybe do some, like, simple scenes. So it was, like, a, um, a pretty big revelation to then realize that, like, oh, no, you're part of this, like, current and, and like, comedy's evolving right before your very eyes. You're surrounded by people who, like, a year and a half past that point are going to be, like, huge on television and, like, completely change the industry, completely change uh um, how the mainstream perceived. Like that's, that's what it was at that period. At least from my perspective, you were watching this kind of underground thing begin to become mainstream and poke its head over. Totally. Um, I'm interested in like, um, in your path too, because, you were a part of Mod Night, uh Night um, in like its early stages, right? Yeah, I was on one of the very first teams. Yeah, and you were also part of the early development of Magnet, too, when when the first couple of batches of house teams were being put together. So you have like a really unique vantage point of of watching both of those theaters kind of grow and mutate and evolve over time. I'm just sort of curious. It's probably a really general question, but like, um, what have you seen change in all the years that you've been doing it here?
0: Oh gosh, Um, well, uh, the thing that really jumps out at me is just like how much like this this community like the magnet community specifically has like never stopped growing. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, people like you know, pun intended, were literally just kept being like drawn, Mm -hmm. drawn here, Um, and from like seeing like super early on like like megawatt shows. Where you know I was probably like one of like four or five people there, to uh, to seeing like you know fairly um, full houses. Like now, it's like so super cool, and it's it's cool to see how the the theater like has evolved. I feel like has um, I feel like the I think that the theater's like I want to say voice and uh, an approach to the work has has really I want to say also want to say matured in a way. Um, or at least has uh, solidified it itself, and I feel I feel like in a in a, now correct me if, if I'm wrong. Um, it feels like in a way, you you one way to, to view like um the the evolution of, of these like like these like leaders in, in New York to be like oh well, Megan is so, sort of a uh, like reaction to to UCB mm-hmm. or. Or, or Pitt or, or, things like that, whether philosophically, um, um, philosoph- uh, <laughs> philosophically, 11, yeah. um, or, you know, or otherwise, but to see how the, magnet philosophy has continued to uh, evolve and, and has continued to draw more and more people in, um, has been, has been really, really cool. Um, I feel like I'm being like vague. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if, if. Yeah. If I am. Yeah. Well, well how has
1: your perspective on stuff changed since that time? Because I mean, you've seen you've seen the theaters grow enormously since you've been attached to them. Yeah. But like, what have you? How have you? How's your perspective grown or changed, or has it?
0: Yeah, no, I think it has. Um, I think, I I think personally, like I'm enjoying myself like a, a lot more. Uh-huh. Like, um, seeing like like you're talking about um that current of like. Seeing like folks come through like the, these systems and kind of like blow up, you know, commercially, um, and thinking like, oh, oh, I that that's what I want, and that that should be me, mm-hmm. and um, and thinking in those terms, and like really allowing myself to get super frustrated, and and sort of and down and com- mm-hmm. comparing myself to to folks, it was like, oh, why why I haven't I ridden this wave? Mm-hmm. What's what's um, what am I doing wrong? Um, but I feel like having like like been around and having gotten like more experience and just more life experience, um, I, I I'm able to like just uh, appreciate like being part just being part of like just creating the, creating this art like creating this art in the moment and um I th- I think I'm way more interested now in like doing. What seems like super like fun and interesting to me, mm-hmm. and like my perspective ha- has changed because um, even though cl- I feel like folks, a lot of folks do come to to UCB or or, or Magnet uh, with career aspirations. I feel like my aspirations are more just like, well, I, I think I want to just do things that are going to make me happy because mm-hmm. I thought career aspirations were going to make me happy, mm-hmm. but I just wasn't really ready to. To 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 chase them like uh, emotionally, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I just didn't have the, the confidence level to match up with any like type of skill level that I might have had for for comedy. Um, but I think I'm just like in a better place in a better place now. Yeah, if that makes sense. That that's like a, a wholly like like personal like like reaction to, to everything.
1: But, yeah, but I mean that makes a lot of sense, and it, it's a weird. Um, experience because obviously everybody has their own reasons for wanting to get involved. And I imagine a lot of people don't even know exactly what their reasons are. There's just mm-hmm. sort of like a feeling that kind of attracts you into it. That was certainly the case for me. You yeah. know, I did not uh, have career aspirations necessarily. Uh, I didn't, did not have comedy aspirations for sure. Um, it was just kind of like, it seemed kind of interesting, you know? And, and, as you get more and more involved in it and as you get better and better at what you do, a couple of like really interesting and I think contradictory things start to happen to you. You start to not only become technically more proficient at doing it, whether it's improv or writing, um, you develop more and more of your personality and more and more of your voice and your sensibility begin to emerge and begin to become something tangible that other people appreciate. And you kind of develop more confidence in that voice. Yes. And then you start to see the people around you uh, um begin to kind of like move on or move elsewhere or appear in commercials or get jobs or whatever. And it starts to do something to your mind because even if that wasn't in your head originally, exactly what you're saying begins to come up. You start to think of like, well, how come – how come not me? And then it's almost like this secondary desire comes up that may not be for you at that exact moment in time, like actually an organic real wish on your part. Right. It's, it's almost like you internalize that kind of like uh, this idea of I should be here at this point or this should be my trajectory right now. And you kind of like swallow that sense of w- what should be happening. Yeah. And it begins to sort of pollute a little bit. It, your own clarity of vision and your own sense of what you're getting out of this and and what makes you good at it to begin with. So it's a really weird thing to wrestle with and it's super personal. Go back to this idea uh, about Gary Austin and the intensity of what he teaches in his classes. Cool. Having never done his class, but having heard him speak a number of times, one thing that, that, I find really interesting about his point of view. And it seems to me that it's a very kind of old school approach and a much more theatrical approach is this insistence on, uh, uh, aiming for the truth of a moment on aiming for being absolutely honest and not violating the honesty of the integrity of what you're doing for the sake of an easy joke or something. Right. Uh, Um, part of the reason why I find that so fascinating is because I feel that not many people, go beyond paying lip service to that idea. And for the most part, when you're working and you're on stage, your main thing is to create comedy for people. You want to keep an audience entertained. So whenever I hear a teacher who like raises that idea of like, well, it's funny, but you're missing the bigger truth here. You're missing the deeper issue. For me, that's always, it makes me feel guilty in a good way. It's like a creative form of guilt because it's like a challenge of like, oh yeah, I could do better than what I'm doing. I might yeah. be creating good comedy, but this could be more meaningful and this could be something potentially more inspiring to people. Uh, um, um, so, as someone who who thinks about comedy from from a writing standpoint a lot. How do you balance those two things out? That idea of like we're aiming to preserve the integrity of the comedy product that we're making, but at the same time, we have the potential to be like very committed to the honesty of a moment.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think about it a lot in reg- regards to, to sketch. Um, uh, I, I, I had mentioned I, I always like feel that ultimately your sketch needs to be about something um and it we should be we should be representing behavior that uh folks can relate to and if you're throwing like uh unusual behavior into like a, a realistic setting people need to be reacting to that mm-hmm. in, in ways in ways that are realistic you know um i i ultimately feel like there are there are are, are two behaviors in play in, in in a sketch. There's the usual and the usual is it, it it varies depending on like the, the context and and the setting and the unusual, which is that, that thing that sort of, you know, throws like a a monkey wrench and things. It's that, you know, that unusual thing that, you know, that we're, that phrase that we're taught and they're, they're constantly, those two behaviors need to be reacting to each other Mm -hmm. and they need to be reacting to each other in, in realistic ways. Um, so, and you need to be like the usual behavior needs to be reacting in a way that the audience can relate to. It's like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I am, am thinking right now. I'm glad they're they're calling it out, you know. So if like your your sketch is oh, this is a terrible idea, uh, uh, is a blind date where you are on a blind date with a lobster. Uh, like the usual behavior uh, of a date would be like, you know, oh, you, you all this, the small talk, where did you go to school? where did you go up? And that sort of thing. Um, and, but if, if the usual person who's on a date with a lobster isn't reacting to any of the, to the fact that they are on a date with a lobster or any of the lobster specifics, then uh, I, I think you lose the audience because you're, you're not, you're not, you're not. You're not. Um. Sort of like, you're not. You're not speaking to like what they're, what 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 they're thinking of. Mm-hmm. And I think you do have that. Um, you do have that. That that job is that you do need to sort of like, you do need to communicate with the audience and sort of like re- represent their 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 ideas in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the 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 truth part of that is being like, okay, what would the uh, what would you say if you were actually to a uh, a lobster if you were actually like on on a date with a lobster one is just like how are you still alive out of that tank mm-hmm. um uh so i feel like there are like again terrible example <laughs> to to pull from There's stuff to play with that premise yeah <laughs> i think so um there's the
1: neediness of the person on the date with the lobster which i personally find very funny
0: yeah yeah and <laughs> that that that's a really good uh, way to like you know, justify like why this date is still going on yeah. you know uh, so, well you know, I guess I haven't been out of my my house in a couple of weeks so I'm gonna go ahead and keep having this date with a lobster um but yeah if if the audience is seeing is seeing something that you're not speaking to then it's just like you've got like this sort of um, I feel like you, you can kind of like lose them because then they can sort of like maybe maybe doubt. Mm-hmm. you maybe they they won't feel like they're in really good hands if um if if you're not sort of speaking to like the the top of of, of their intelligence mm-hmm. um you know if they're seeing something that that you're not then i feel like you you, you can kind of lose them and i think um reacting sort of truthfully like in the 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 given context i think think that's um i think that's a, a way to to sort of ho- hold on to them um, if that if if that makes sense yeah it
1: does it, it it it's interesting okay so I have two different thoughts about what you're talking about
0: one of them to
1: me it goes back to what you were saying about making those lists in the second city class yeah uh, of like okay what's just 10 ridiculous names that you can come up with there's something interesting just about the pure silliness of uh, uh, engineering a comedy premise by just taking okay here are two things that don't go together and now let's bring them together and let's justify that let's figure out a reason why yeah and to me it's like that creates a lot of the comedy because every single time you play the reality of one of those worlds it then feeds the reality of the other world for like a counterbalance and so it's almost like blowing up these two balloons that are like loosely connected in the center and you're pushing it to the point to see like, all right, how far can we push it without it just completely exploding? Yes. How do we preserve the structural integrity of this thing that's protecting two irreconcilable ideas and allowing them to coexist without that reality, just completely shattering. And part of like the fun of the tension of, of the comedy of it is like maintaining that right balance going, going so far, but not beyond that point where you break it. Right. But then the other side of it is like in that justification uh where you're playing out this completely ludicrous idea and finding like the truth of it, there's something really funny of like a lobster that would try and be trying to kind of like, you know, whatever, brush off, uh, you know, it's like, let's not talk about me being a lobster or whatever. Tell me about you. Or like somebody who would be dating a lobster who, who is like, you know, people are always telling me like you give up too quickly so I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> you say no to life. Right, and, and that's do. a
0: relatable thing. It's a relatable thing.
1: Can, that's, that's truthful and that people could relate to that. Totally. And it, it's, it's more of Rick Andrews's class in the background. <laughs> and they've gotten better since we started our interview. Um, uh, but not only is it relatable, but it also showcases something else too, which is like you relate to the selfishness of the characters. It's not just seeing, like, a facsimile of, like, oh, yeah, that is what a library looks like. You know, it's like, yeah, that's a good start to lay out a premise to keep people involved in an idea, but it's beyond that. When you talk about, like, the truth of the comedy, the thing that people are responding to, and then seeing exaggerated to comic effect, uh, a lot of times, like, that truthful thing goes right into um, a person's ego. It goes right into, like, how this character... Sees themselves, how yeah. they define themselves. You know yeah. how important is that when you're thinking of of your sketches.
0: I feel like it's I feel like it's important. Eventually, um, uh, I feel like I end up sort of like reverse engineering uh, qu- quite often, and I think most people end up doing that, that same thing. Where you, there's no telling like where your like inspiration for something is going to come from. But like so much of like of uh, the the skills that you develop as as a writer as an improviser is a way to sort of like build out it's like okay, um, to use an, an example of, of something that, that I have like written, I thought it was I thought it would be funny that if there was a a store. That, uh, that instead of it being the Bath and Body Works, which is a place where you would buy fancy, uh, scented soaps, if there was a place called the Bath and Body Shop, which is a place you would buy soap but also get your car fixed, mm-hmm. and then, <laughs> thanks very much. <laughs> uh, but then, okay, well, like what, what do you do with that? You have to sort of like reverse, like engineer, like any like truth and like justification for this, this thing to exist. Uh-huh. How does this play out? And so like what, in that scenario, what, what ended up doing, it was like, ended up being a, like a commercial for this place. And it was, uh, a guy who had, uh, worked in like a bath and body works for like eight months and then inherited his father's auto body shop. (laughs) So it was about like this character, you know? So you, you, you created this flesh and blood sort of like character doing this, this weird thing. And he has this motivation of trying to maintain his like dad's, his dad's business and like his dad's reputation but also clearly he's he has no bu- no business running a business uh and his only experience is working 8 months in the bath and body works selling soap so um so like it's it's more about like becomes about like the the truth of like this character mm-hmm. um and uh and i think the whole thing was framed as if it was like a, a the type of commercial that you would see on like um like public Television, you know, like, like, really, like, really crappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the guy whose business is, is the actor in, in it. So, it like, bad, it was like bad acting on top of like bad idea for a, for a business. Um, so, like, but all of that was like reverse engineered out of, I thought it'd be funny if you changed one word. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, I think that's like a, a, a skill set that, that you, that you, that, Doing all this uh, sketching and improv that allows you to develop, yeah. Because you know where it has to be, yeah. You know, you know it's like okay, that alone isn't enough. You and you know, like what it should be. You know, you know that it should be. We should find a way to ground this in a reality yeah. and sort of um, give it a, a point of. View. If it's a character, give them a point of view, give them a, a, a want, and you, you know what it's supposed to be, and you kind of find a way to come from this really flimsy, this really flimsy idea and and make it like a, a flesh and blood thing. Yeah. Uh, you know
1: what I mean? Yeah, well, it, it translates it from something that is a single joke into something that has the ability to be continuously explored. Yes. Because the joke is coming out of this guy's point of view as right. he marries these two things. It's another thing that's really interesting, because like, uh, um, I think one of the reasons why sketch comedy tends to be funny i think i I would assume a lot of different kinds of jokes and a lot of different kind of comedy kind of exists on this hinging point but i think it works particularly well in the world of sketch is um when your brain recognizes the stupidity of something and is able to point it out and be like that's wrong yeah but At the same time, you have successfully sold us on the stupidity of this thing with just enough logic to justify it that your brain also entertains of like, I can see the argument, but I also know that's wrong at exactly the same time, but I can see the argument, but I also know that's wrong. And it's constantly going back and forth between those two things, and it's like it tickles your whole Mind, Yeah. It, your brain doesn't know what to do with, with those irreconcilable things. You've led the brain logically to accept something that's completely illogical and then it, you just laugh it off. You know what I mean? Like you burn <laughs> totally. all that energy out by laughing. And it's so interesting that like that one move in that sketch of making it this guy whose dad gave him the body shop and he loves his dad. It's like, oh, that's the thing that your brain can accept of like, oh, well, that makes sense. Right. And so now it doesn't just become this one idiot joke. Your brain keeps on going back and forth between this one dumb idea and the guy. And every time the brain thinks of the guy, that idea becomes funnier and funnier. It's super
0: interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, for those of you listening, I just hit the table with my knee, and uh, it's my barely phone noticeable. Shook. Uh, I just called it out. You guys wouldn't have noticed. Um, yeah. Um, what was I thinking before I got distracted by my own knee? Um. See, that's funny.
1: <laughs> that is a premise right there.
0: Uh, distracted by you guys. You guys ever noticed that like uh your 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 patella shifts? <laughs>
1: anyway, I'm sorry. Is anybody uh, else in this office distracted by my knee right now? Because <laughs> I can't stop
0: thinking about it. Why is there less hair? <laughs> on my cap. Anyway, uh <laughs> it's twins. <laughs> We were in a, we were in an OBGYN yeah, office. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> the revelation is what made that work. <laughs> um, uh, I was thinking of something else along those, along those lines. Um, yeah, along the lines of like having, yeah, having this sort of like debate. Um, I kind of think of like a, a good, or or some good sketches or a good premise as like as a bit of a debate it's like your premise is a bit of like your 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 thesis statement and Mm -hmm. then the rest of the sketch is like the argument for it Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and like the the oftentimes the unusual like the unusual person the weird one quote unquote will be sort of like posing would be like Well I'm sort of pushing like the the premise or your thesis statement forward and then like the more grounded person, the person representing like the reality is just like, yeah, but and is like sort of arguing against it. Mm -hmm. And sort of like a sketch can be a lot like um constantly sort of like arguing for your for your your premise in a way. Mm -hmm. And I know it's like argue is a very loaded word to, to use. Um but
1: needlessly i would say but please go on in my opinion our argument is one of those words that has
0: been like bloated completely out of proportion right i agree um because it could be very very useful to argue specifically in a sketch because sometimes you know you 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 need someone to question something to get some information out to to, to ground the scene or establish something so when used when used correctly both in improv and sketch arguing could be like really useful yeah um uh yeah, so I, I often like think of it like as a bit like a yeah. Your, your premise is kind of like a, a thesis, and you're mm-hmm. sort of arguing for it. And ultimately, like uh, I think the the weird thing should pr- be proved to be true, and that's like the the um, proving your, your thesis statement to be to be right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's how I've been thinking about it lately. Um, Boy, there's nothing but, more disappointing than the classic. It was all a dream, move, <laughs>
1: or all right, cut. <laughs> it's just a movie we're making. And it's like oh, so you've just proven that that funny, hilarious thing, which couldn't possibly exist in real life, is wrong and doesn't exist in this yeah. pretend world you've created either. And it's like oh, thank you very
0: much. So deflating. Yeah. So deflating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Though I do love doing those moves, but then still finding a, a fun way to to prove it true. Um, I'll reference again something else that 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 I did. Um, which I feel weird about. I don't know if I should. No, don't uh, referencing referencing like, my own stuff. Yeah, you got to. Um, well, I, I, here, I'll, I'll ground that for you so you
1: feel less weird about it. Oh, sweet. Uh, 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 it is very useful for you to lead us through your thought process, okay. how you're engineering your comedy. So, of course, you can only go through your own material. So, uh, uh, um, you're being a scientist right now.
0: Sweet. Fabulous. Please. Um, yeah, so I was... So I had uh, written uh, another like uh, silly sketch. This one was also a commercial. I tend to take my my sillier uh, sillier ideas and turn them into commercials, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's like a, a great sort of like a vehicle for jokes. Mm-hmm. Like super easy. You don't have to like explain too much. You don't necessarily have to have a character. It's just like wait a second, why why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a commercial for a guy who ran like a, a mannequin warehouse who was convinced the mannequins were, were coming alive and, and and stalking him. So he was having like a like a huge sale because he wanted to get rid of all of his mannequins. Uh-huh. Uh, and at the end of that sketch, we kind of like you know you know pulled the frame a little bit and had the director come out. And it's like, all right, great, that was you know a great take. Um, um, let's try it again and you know try not to you know cry so much this time. Um, and then immediately after the, he gave like the the actor, the note, he turned to the mannequins and it's just like, yeah, great job mannequins. And the mannequins like came alive and just like, okay, now we know it is, it is true. Mm-hmm. You know? So the weird thing wins. Yeah. You know, I think the weird thing should always win.
1: Yes. That, yeah. That's a great point. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Why do you want to be pulled back down to earth when you have yeah. this amazing opportunity to just like pursue this ridiculous what if idea to its conclusion? Yeah. It, Cause that's the thing, man. It's like, it's logically following an idea to its illogical conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> that That's where the pleasure is. And, and it, it, if I can get, uh, 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 on my classic soapbox again for a moment Please. and a little preachy about it, it like has the effect of like, when your brain takes logical steps and arrives at this illogical conclusion, it's almost like it like bursts apart like neural connections in your head for a little bit and then they like reform really quickly. Yeah. But it's like you're letting like space and light into your brain. You're reshaping the way that your brain's able to think about stuff. Right. And you take yourself a little bit less seriously because it's hard to have a stick up your ass when you know that, oh, I can rationally Step by step, follow an argument to a place that I know does not make any sense. It like it has a very positive effect on the human organism it does. to see stupid ideas succeed and be proven <laughs> true. You know,
0: yeah, yeah, and yeah, it does sort of like um, re- rewire your, your brain a, a little bit. Like when, when that happens, uh, yeah, because then to go a little like like further that it could just mean like oh yeah, and en- anything anything can can happen and anything could be true so like yeah this this silly like sketch uh, idea could be proved to be, to be true and we can we can flesh that out and make that a real thing so like why can't um, this idea I have for like a small business or mm-hmm. any other like venture why can't that can I prove this to be true mm-hmm. you know why yeah. can't one why is one weird thing you know Provable and, and not another. If yeah. That, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. It does. It, it, I, again, it, this is like a little too, like pretentious or whatever, ecology, but like, I do sort of feel like the practice of comedy makes your brain work better. It, it, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, you're learning how to use your brain well. And not just like being a practitioner of it, but, um, Billy Connolly said this in a great interview. He's like, when you're really cooking and you're on stage, your brain, uh, uh, is like firing on all cylinders and you feel yourself getting smarter as you're drawing connections between ideas, as you're figuring out ways to heighten and develop something. But there's like a contact exposure that everybody in the room has too. And I've certainly felt this watching shows where it's like, I feel like I'm smarter just because I've had to keep up with the people on stage. Yeah. And it like, it, it makes everybody's brain work a little bit better than it did before. It's a really incredible feeling and you know like a pro evolutionary force in our makeup
0: yeah yeah um yeah i've definitely i've definitely felt that um and i also weirdly been in not, i don't know if this is changing the subject been in, in, in weird places where like i would feel like I- intimidated or dis- disappointed either um i if i wasn't Able to follow or not able to get on board with them. Um, yeah. Whatever everyone else is getting on board with. Uh, or getting like that weird headspace where it's just like, ah, when am I going to be that good? Yeah. Right. You know, right. Uh, which is, which is a different thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, oh man. Yeah. That goes right back to that
1: like avatar idea for a second yes. where it's like, uh, I can't even get the contact high of what's going on in the room right now right. because my little mental avatar is standing in the way and is just absorbing all this energy to feed it's neurotic bullshit of like seriously, man, (laughs) it's, I think it's another reason why like you keep on coming back to wanting to do this stuff is when you have those moments where you feel kind of high from it, they really are, you know, like it's not just comedy. it's, It's probably any endeavor in life, but everybody describes it the same way as like, It sort of felt like I wasn't even doing it. It was just kind of happening and I was doing all the right things, but I I wasn't even really thinking about it. You know, it's the UCB's mantra of don't think. Right. Which I think people misinterpret. They interpret it as an instruction, and it's not. It's a description of a state of mind that you're in every now and again when it's like, oh, this amazing thing is happening. But part of what makes it feel so good and part of why you feel so high, I think, is because it's those moments where that, like, avatar, those, like, all those internalized, I should be like this, I should be here right now, step out of the way, and then you just have this, like, pure experience of, like— I'm literally just reacting to you right now in this moment with yeah. no premeditation and no secondary agenda. There's no little mental vampire that's feeding off of this, trying to bloat up this imaginary thing in my head about like the person I should be or the comedian I should be or the artist I should be or any of that shit. That guy's gone for the time being and it feels like a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I agree. Um yeah, and that's a really good point about that that concept of, of of don't think. I don't know if I've ever thought about it that way because it does sort of like feel like an instruction. Not that anyone has ever like presented it to me that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's definitely not like a rule where just like, hey, step one, right? Do you know? Don't think. Um, maybe the fact that it's <laughs> on a T shirt. Something about that makes it feel like more like a like a like a rule, like no fear or something
1: a little bit, yeah, it, it it I think it's also too of like people get nervous because it's like, well, the magic doesn't happen all the time and it doesn't happen immediately. A lot of like your best shows don't start off as your best show. it they end up being your best show, right. and I think that people get nervous because like they'll be in moments where it's like, oh, I'm clearly thinking or I'm clearly in my head, and it's like, well, that's fine, that's okay go through that, explore it. But a lot of times people can get hung up on like, Oh, that means I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. That means I'm making mistakes right now. And so you invite that avatar back in because now you have this like inner monitor that's watching everything you're doing and is also reminding you of like, you're thinking too much right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, no, 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 you got to like empty yourself of that thing. It, that guy doesn't belong for the period of time that you're on stage.
0: Yeah. Very true. Um, yeah. And I find myself still having a hard time doing that. Yeah. You know, uh, specifically like stepping like out of, uh, out of a scene, like back to the, you know, back to the wall or the sideline. And then, you know, you're, you're immediately gonna, going to go at least for a few seconds, going to go back into your head and be like, okay, like what can I pull from mm-hmm. the thing I was just doing? What what else can we do? And then you realize, oh shit, there's a, another scene happening mm-hmm. in front of me. I should probably be, be paying attention, mm-hmm. you know, so I can take in stuff fr- from them. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if like, if that ever, if that ever goes aw- away entirely, And I don't think it does.
1: I, I don't see how it could. Yeah, it, because it, it, you know, like, excuse me. It's only a problem if we think of it as a problem. But right. if we think of it as like, oh, okay, like that little guy in my head who's thinking about everything and trying to steer me to safety and trying to do it the right way. That's also the guy in my head, uh, or girl, or whatever. You know, it's like that's the person in my head who is also like protecting me all the time from doing stupid things that are going to get me hurt or shot <laughs> or killed or broken hearted. Or it's like that, that little person does a lot of good for me. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's just like now it's happening in a time where it's like, it doesn't recognize that now is not the time. Right. So I can only imagine it like you're constantly grappling with it, but this is where for me it's like, well yes and comes in handy because instead of it being a thing of like, okay, don't think, And if I'm thinking that's a problem, when you find yourself in a situation where you're on stage and you're thinking, it's like, okay, great. Think and pay attention. Just do them both. And when you define it for yourself as like, I can either think or pay attention, but I can't do both of them, then you're at war with yourself. But it's like, oh, okay, I can think and watch what's going on around me at the same time. It's almost like, oh, yeah, I am that smart. I do it constantly. I do it all the time. It's just when you're on stage, there's that extra pressure cooker that totally. sort of makes you feel like, up, oh, I'm, I'm kind of crunched up up here. But it's like, no, I can,
0: I can think and watch you simultaneously. Yeah, it's really comforting, even you know, to hear to hear you say that and describe it as like, oh yeah, that's a that's a, a person that's that's with you all the time. Um, yeah, helping, helping guide your your decisions and um, protecting you, totally picturing it as like a. A dog of some sort, mm-hmm. so it could be a, a guy or a girl or a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I'm picturing a, a dog sort of jumping up at you and wanting t- attention when you don't necessarily, when you can't necessarily. It's, oh, I have to pay attention to the scene. I can't, I can't yeah, play totally, with you. can totally. play with you right now. Yeah. Um, but it also that dog who's gonna you know n- you know bite on your shirt and pull you back and keep you from getting hit by a car or right. something like that. Um, it's lassie. It's lassie. Yeah, we all have a, a lassie inside of us
1: that's a a nice way of thinking about it thank you that defangs it a (laughs) lot when you think of it as like okay it's not this like asshole in my head (laughs) it's just like a dog that wants to be played with right now and needs like some attention it's like oh that that takes away some of the horror of that it does it does uh yeah i have two more questions i want to ask yeah please Uh, um uh so as a very experienced sketch writer and sketch director and sketch performer what are the seven uh, effective habits that every good uh uh sketch writer should develop? They don't have to be seven, but I I think that's the name of a book. So, yeah, it could be it could be one, I don't know, whatever. What are like effective useful habits that people can take into uh, uh uh take into their behavior that will tend to help them have access to more ideas and be able to refine those ideas? Ooh, good question. Um
0: I f- this seems obvious but like write every day if you can even if it's just a tweet or you know um, just jotting down ideas on uh, on a post-it um, writing consistently and thinking consistently in in those in the in the in these terms uh, I think is just beyond helpful um uh, I, I do think like, like I was mentioning before like the sketch does have to be about Something, um, even if it's say like a just a, a character a character monologue, um, I, I think don't get like caught in 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 a trap of being, of being like oh well I write character driven stuff and then um, character driven stuff I, I feel like in games game driven stuff I think they don't have to be separate things uh, I think if there was a Venn diagram they would be I think they would be the same thing they would just be a circle they wouldn't mm-hmm. be a Venn diagram. It'd be a circle. Um, so I think, yeah, it does have to like be about something. Uh, don't shy away from like making some type of like like commentary on like wh- whatever uh, situation that you are um you're, you're, you're representing. Um, uh, another good habit: uh, don't just puke out first drafts. Just it, the first draft is going to be. I can't say it's going to be shit, but it's going to have the elements that you need to to make it better than next time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then yeah, there will be a lot of like elements that you can easily like like dismiss, but just get that first draft out and know that you're going to be refining and, and refining and refining. Um, and you need you need like all of that first draft sort of like word vomit to um to allow yourself to like find. To find a, find the thing for for your subsequent drafts, and real I be serve the scene and be sort of like slavish to you know to to the game for for lack of a better word. Um, when I and I, when I rewrite, I I try to like I kill like everything that is an aside or is uh, just a just a joke. If it isn't setting something up or paying something off, then you, uh, when you're rewriting, th- you can probably do without it. Um, I, I like to think of like your your sketches as sort of like blueprints. Um, eventually, when the building is made, they'll plant like nice flowers everywhere. But you don't necessarily have to have flowers built into your blueprints. Mm-hmm. You need a strong structure. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to know where like the the you know the, the beams and such are going to be. Uh, I'm not an architect I, I'm not quite sure like uh, uh, how many beams are right?
1: you're talking a good game oh huh, thanks very much uh, shouldn't have
0: doubted myself um <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey, look at that building it's beams <laughs> that thing uh, looks solid these beams uh, are are art deco uh beams uh from the uh art deco period of uh, oh my god okay uh did I mention it was twins? You guys are having twins. <laughs> oh, we're still in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, it's always that revelation. You know? <laughs> um. Uh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think of it very uh oftentimes. Yeah. Like. Yeah. As that blueprint. Um. And so you can. Yeah. You don't have to necessarily be like, okay, here's where the the pretty flowers are going to be out front, but you do need like to have like the the structure down. Um. And everything needs to sort of like um support its own weight mm-hmm. you know or pull its own weight um get stuff up in front of people you know um performing stuff that you've written is like super helpful but also like writing like f- with actors in mind and 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 writing for people is do, you, super do you find helpful that helpful when you're
1: writing for somebody else's voice does it give you different ideas than you would have gotten just as yourself
0: totally mm. totally um yeah, and I think that's where like improv helps too for a writer because it, uh, imp- when you improvise, you have to often take on other points of view that aren't necessarily your own. Mm-hmm. So, like you, you build up that muscle. So, if like I was if I was writing something with 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 you in mind, it, it would be a little bit easier for me to sort of try to get into like your what I think your voice might be, mm-hmm. or at least um, some sub- more towards your voice and, and less and less mine. Um, because, you know, you have that experience as an improviser of being able to take on like, like different points of view and like Mm -hmm. drop your own. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do find that like super, super helpful. Uh, and it's a great, and it's a great skill because eventually if you get work, you're going to be writing for other people more than most likely. Um, so to, yeah, to get experience doing that is like key. That's why that, why these like, like these house teams, these sketch teams are, are, are so, are so great. Uh, Cause I think if you're doing stuff independently, you're probably just doing stuff on like, like for yourself for mm-hmm. the most part. And you don't get that, get that experience. Um, but yeah, per- performing I think is, is huge. Seeing what audiences react to seeing how, it, how, how, how it feels on stage. Uh, so often when, when I read, um, when I read sketches from like, like newer writers, uh, I, you realize like, oh, okay, well, this person hasn't, maybe doesn't have like quite the, the ear to know what it's like when, when two people are having a conversation and actually like responding to the last thing said and mm-hmm. reacting to one another. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of like um, pushing through with like what they think, where they think the jokes are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And no one's actually having like a, a realistic, um, uh, re- reaction. Um, uh, and so like getting things on stage, hearing things out loud and seeing what audiences react to and seeing like, what sort of like falls flat or feels like f- false or forced is, is, uh, is super helpful. Um, see theater. Um, I think that speaks to what I was just getting to, just like, see what it's like when people are actually like, uh, reacting to one another, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and, reacting to the last thing said and, and, and building off of one another.
1: How we're keeping an audience engaged when we don't have
0: the luxury of a
1: joke to hang everything
0: on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, 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 a great, um, a great way of looking at it. Um, yeah. See, yeah. See, see, see theater, see, uh, see plays. Um, improvise if, if you can. I know there are like uh, some folks like just write and, and don't improvise, but mm-hmm. that's another great way to get that experience you know like like i was saying um being able to take on different points of view um and just learn learn different voices and l- you you learn i th- you think you sort of like internalize like how to how to edit better mm-hmm. um, yeah you
1: definitely get more of a sense of 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 just what works like you know i started directing in college and uh, I didn't learn the first thing about directing until I started improvising because it's all uh, here's my here's the thesis of directing here's the thesis of the project I'm about to create mm-hmm. and now there it is and if people didn't like it that's too bad you're you're you weren't bright enough to get my themes I suppose mm-hmm. whereas like on your feet you learn of like okay. Uh, uh, either that idea played or it didn't. Yeah. And if it didn't, you can't blame that audience because uh, you dropped to communicate with, it's exactly right. And so it really sharpens that ability to recognize, of like, oh, okay, you can have the greatest ideas in the world, but if I can't show them to you, if I can't get you to relate to them and experience them with me, it's, it's a waste of everybody's
0: time. Yeah. I, yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, maybe this is a related thought or maybe this is something that I've had like bouncing around in my, bouncing around in my head um yeah I, I, yeah I, I i feel like if you're like presenting presenting a situation or some behavior that is like wholly unique to your sketch and, mm-hmm. and doesn't like resonate with people mm-hmm. then i think yeah you, you do sort of like i you think you're missing out and i think you're like sort of losing people mm-hmm. you know um if you don't find a way to 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 frame it in a, in a way that 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 is relatable and and communicates what you're trying to get across. And it's just like, oh, this is just a weird situation that I don't necessarily um, understand. I've never seen it before. It kind of just feels like maybe more more clowning, less theater. You you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Not to throw clowning under the bus. Clowns are great. They're terrifying, but clowns are great. Clowns can be really entertaining. And really terrifying. They move you one way or the other. It's an extreme reaction. There's no middle
1: ground with a clown. No, it's either
0: laughter or, or, or
1: tears. For God's sake, laugh at the clown's <laughs> joke when it jokes, okay? Just don't anger the clown. What, whatever, whatever you do, and just take the balloon. Just take the balloon. Don't reject the balloon, because in the clown's mind, you rejected the clown. <laughs> uh, and I was actually mistaken, it's actually triplets. <laughs> 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 Jesse Asini, I am distracted by your knee. Thank you for talking, sir. <laughs> thank you, Lewis. Thanks for having Pleasure. me. Pleasure. Uh, uh, you guys have been listening to the Magnet Theatre Podcast, and thank you for doing so. Uh, 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 it's downright kind of you. A couple of other thanks. Thanks to our producer, Evan Barden. Thanks to our engineer, as always, Grant Goldberg. I have been Lewis Kornfeld. Our guest has been Jesse Asini. Please look up his Tumblr online, or come see him in New York.
0: Come come see me in in New York uh, at the Magnet Theatre. Yeah, or my apartment in Brooklyn at the Magnet Theater. Don't come. Don't come to Brooklyn. He's got a really nice apartment. I've been told. It's it's nice. It's cozy. Jesse and Cindy, thank you. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the Magnet Podcast.
1: Magnet Theatre Podcast is brought to you by the Magnet Theatre Training Center, where we offer classes in improvisation, sketch comedy, storytelling, musical improvisation, all of the wonderful things that your heart could desire. Uh, we have classes going on all the time. If that sounds like something that you'd be curious to try, if you think that would be fun, and I promise you it's the most fun you've ever had, check us out. Uh, we offer some wonderful free introduction to improvisation classes several times a week. You can find it all about those free intro classes, as well as everything else that we offer on our website. Magnettheater.com is the name of that website. Once again, free intro classes. Magnettheater.com.